the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Chad Burton. Chad, I got some emails that have come in that I want to clear out. People can find you at newfocusfinancial.com if they want to drop you an email. People can find me at Rob Black Show if they want to drop me an email. I did get one on gold coins. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to go into it but because it's kind of a dice topic, but I'm not a kind of an alternate currency kind of guy. Um, I don't go after the Iraqi dinar when Iraq fell. I don't go after the Kroger and that I see the gold commercials in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just not my thing. Uh, do alternative currencies attract you at all? Oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the idea of the technology behind it and just the overall math behind it is extremely interesting. We're talking I mean, Bitcoin? Yeah, that just blockchain in general. Okay, got it. I mean, just how Walmart has worked with IBM on blockchain and how it's reduced the amount of time to track down an item. For example, if there's something that creates a, a cholera outbreak, where did that lettuce come from? It used to take a long time to track those items down, and now it's extremely quick because of blockchain and other technologies. So I think the issue there is that blockchain is something that can be done with or without the cryptocurrency. Some people argue for that. Um, is it an investment? No, I don't look at it as an investment because if you invest in something, it has to have some sort of a rate of return. It has to have, to me, something that has revenues, then there's expenses, and then there's a profit. Got it. That's, that's not what happens in Bitcoin or Litecoin or any of the other issues. It's the idea that, first of all, people that don't trust the financial system because they grew up young in the financial crisis and they don't trust banks. Sure. Um, I think that's silly in the U.S. to do that. I think that's ridiculous. But there's other areas of the world where they can't trust their government. They can't trust the fluctuation in their currency. It's not stable. They want to get the money out. And so there's a, a very big play for people overseas to say, I'm, I'm going to take my money out of this country's currency. I'm going to store it somewhere that's a little bit more global. Um, so I, I get that piece of it. But it's not a store of value in my mind because it's way too volatile. You can't put put you know your dollars into it and then be dependable that I'm going to be able to go down the street and buy a sandwich without a massive fluctuation in it. And it, by far, by far was one of the biggest bubbles that you've ever seen where you could see the big run up in 2017, especially right after the holidays when everybody was getting together talking about how well Bitcoin had done. And then you kind of saw that last minute push where everybody and their their uncle and their cousin and, oh, we better get into some of this too. And then that's when the people that owned it sold it and pulled it out. You, you saw Facebook issues yeah. on it, Instagram issues where they, people were pumping and dumping just yeah. like they used to do with, with small stocks. Or year 2K stocks. Like there's always, there's always something for millennials or young people to, to throw their money away into. Speaking yeah. of young people and millennials, um, got a great email. And this makes me actually smile, Chad. It's 
from Katie, young professional. She's living in New York City. She's 24. She's single. I like that she tells me that. It kind of gives me some color on her. She makes $90,000 a year, contributes 10% to her company's 401k. They match 6%. Um, she has around $30,000 sitting in a bank savings account. Um, I know I should be doing more with my money. What should I do? We don't have to cover it all because you can't cover it all in 10 minutes. But what are some of the basics that Katie should be thinking of? And that makes me so happy she's 24 and thinking about this. Yeah. Um, there, the next one would be the Roth for sure. Oh yeah. Um, she's, she's right at that. If she, she's got to make sure though, that she puts enough money, Rob, into the 401k. Cause she's right at that level where if her taxable income is too high, she starts to be phased out of being able to do the Roth IRA. Oh, tricky. So this is right at that point where you need to look at your tax bracket. You need to talk to your, your CPA or enrolled agent that's doing your tax return and say, okay, maybe if I fund another 3% into my pre-tax 401k, then I'll get my taxable income low enough to be able to legally do a Roth contribution. But she still has got a ton of room left. I mean, she can put 19 grand into her 401k. So for her, it'd be wise to look at her tax bracket and put enough in to make sure she doesn't go over the 12% bracket into the pre-tax side and then do everything else into the Roth 401k because she's she's at a low bracket. This is the lowest tax situation that I've seen in the 24 years that I've been in the business. And I don't think it's going to get better. I think it's going to get worse because budget deficits are going the wrong direction. So I think taxes will go up. So the idea that you put enough money to into the pre-tax 401k to get your, your taxes down a bit, but throw everything else at that age into the Roth and create a tax-free pool of money. It'll grow tax-free for the rest of your life. When you pull money out in retirement, it's totally tax-free. Um, younger people should really be focusing on the Roth 401k and the Roth IRA. You're basically talking accumulating wealth. How about some things like life insurance, um, health insurance, uh, long-term care insurance? Should she be focusing on any of those issues yet? Only once she has people that depend on her. Okay. So life insurance, you know, until you're married and you have kids, what's the point? And don't go to somebody that says life insurance is the greatest investment ever. The only time life insurance is an investment is for like the ultra, ultra wealthy, you know, the one percenters that have maxed out everything else and they already own a bunch of stocks and real estate. For young people, it's a horrible investment. Um, she should have some disability insurance okay. in case she can't work because of an injury and she still needs to pay bills. Other than that, you know, save, save money. Stupid thought here, but how about the idea? Because I wish I could go back to my 24-year-old young self and say, network. Do a better job networking, Rob, because I probably would have had a national TV show if I networked better. I probably would have had, you know, something bigger in my life. Is that a financial thought for you, or is that something that's kind of uh, too, you know, kimbaya kind of thing? Oh, no, I think it makes sense, but it's more in terms of makes sense that um, if you're in a situation right now where, you, hey, Chad and Rob, it's great to hear you guys talk about putting extra money into your 401k or 19 grand into your 401k, but I just don't make enough money to do that. You can barely get enough in to get the match and put food on my table. So that person's next best investment would be in their education. What, what can you invest in education-wise, trade-wise, that will allow you to make more money versus, hey, I'm so worried about finding the, the right stock or going to a trading seminar or finding some sort of a silver bullet? No, it's get into a better career. And so if that's networking, if it's doing some research on what you're going to like and what can make more money in the future, that's your, that's your next best investment. 
Now, someone dropped me an email. His name's James. He's in Alameda, and it sounds like he's got some pretty good wealth, about 500000 He's looking for a fee-based registered investment advisor. He does not want the firm to manage his money. He's done it on his own for many years, but he does want an hourly person for tax strategies, estate planning, portfolio allocation, investment ideas. Can you get all that with an hourly uh, relationship, or do you really need that, that, that committed relationship, per se, versus the hourly? Well, it's funny because we, you know, a lot of us obviously charge on what we're managing for a person, but the investment side is maybe thirty percent of what we do. Everything else is the planning, the strategy, trying to save taxes, offering advice, and the right way to deal with your insurance and taxes and everything else. Um, so you, you kind of get to what you pay for. Unfortunately, there, I mean, there there are some hourly based CFP certified financial planners out there that you can go to, and they'll charge you an hourly fee, but they're hard to find in the Bay Area because it's so expensive to live in the Bay Area, and it's not the greatest business model. It's right. kind of hard. Um, so, you can go to napfa.org and try to find one that's near you. I don't really know hardly any in the Bay Area, Rob, that do hourly only planning. I used to know one, and he worked under the Cheryl Garrett umbrella, and he, mm-hmm. like, he like he said, he had to move because he couldn't pay his bills here, per se. Yep. So, he had to give that's himself financial advice and go where it's more affordable. That's what's funny. That, to me, that's funny. It's financially funny. Ha, 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 ha. We're not going to late night with this one, Chad. <laughs> no, no, not on that one. Anyway, thanks for joining me. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Him and I have worked together for a long time, and we trust each other. We work well together. It's CFP Chad Burton. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Much calmer now. I still want to talk about some investment um, principles. Short-term bonds will give you the most yield, most of the yield of a long-term bond. I'm not a long-term bond guy. I'm really not even a bond guy personally. I get it for people who are a little bit older who want a little bit more security. But these low interest rates make bonds very, very difficult. When picking a mutual fund, um, cost should be important. An index fund, cost should be important. With bond fund, cost should be important. A bond fund, if you're looking to get 3% and it costs you 2% to buy, it makes no sense. And there was a day and age where people were doing stupid stuff like that. Yeah, no kidding. When it comes to stocks, if you own a real simple principle, I like to sell my losers and keep my winners in stocks because they've stood the test of time. If it's a loser, it didn't stand the test of time. Now in mutual funds, it's different or index funds. It's different. I like to buy more of my loser because it's um, an index fund. You're divert. It's diversified. And it's just telling you that it's a bad year. It's a bad stretch with stocks. It could be a bad company, a bad year, bad visibility. It could be a lot more. So if you have a 401k, a 403b, a 457, take a look at your funds today. And a couple years ago, you probably set up a European fund. And maybe it underperformed. That's the one you want to buy. A couple years ago, you set it up and maybe bought a tech fund. And it's rock and rolled. Like Kiss. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Or was it rock and roll all day and party every night? I don't remember the words of Kiss. You know why? Because they're a pretty crappy band. But yet, somehow, they stood the test of time. Was it the costumes? Was it the the tales of sexual prowess of Gene Simmons? What was it? Was it the mystery? Do you remember when Kiss went to a a theme park? (laughs) Why do I remember these things? Oh, you don't want to babysit the loose ends in my head. 
So for every dollar you pay in mortgage interest, you might save 28 cents in taxes. Assuming you're in the 28%. It's rock and roll all night. You party every day. Okay. Got to get those straight. That's important. Write it down. Rock and roll all day, party every night. Or was it the other way around? So for every dollar you pay off in mortgage interest, a lot of people like to prepay their mortgage. You might save 28 cents. So it leaves you ultimately poor, though, because you've paid the taxes on that interest. You've paid the taxes on the money that you're using for the cash, and you're losing the opportunity in the market. Um, So you have to be very cautious on how you think of things. I know people like, I want to pay off my mortgage early. Don't want to do it. Because it doesn't, your mortgage doesn't, re, it doesn't change. Well, if you have an adjustable mortgage, it changes. It doesn't change. You know what's crazy? I'll tell you what's crazy. 30 years ago, no, it wasn't 30 years. Yeah, 30 years ago, I bought a house, essentially. And it was $150,000 or something like that. And I was like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of people rolling a pizza. And it was. And then, like... That $150,000 I look at, like, it's nothing. To me, an expensive home now is like $2 million or something. I don't know. So do you see how things can change? Winning. And the bank gave me a, a check for $150,000 and said, go buy a house. Pay us over 30 years. We don't care. It, we're only going to charge you 4% interest. It's nothing because you get it deducted almost. It's almost free money. So don't pay off that free money. It's the lowest cost of money there is, a mortgage. I don't know. A lot of people don't like me. No, it's not a lot of people don't like me. A lot of people don't like the truth. The truth is, you can't handle the truth. The easiest and cheapest way to cut your eventual estate tax bill, it's like I actually said that. The easiest and cheapest way to cut your tax bill, you know what's offensive? Paying taxes when you die. You know what's cool? Later in life, giving money to your kids or your charities or your whatever. So if you're above that threshold and you're going to pay a death tax, strongly consider against it because that's just offensive. That's where America should have a revolt. I know you're saying, no, we want livable wages. No, I'm like, no, death taxes. You've already been taxed on it once, federal income, state income, and you're going to get taxed on it when you die. It's called a success tax. I hate that one. But if you get offended, that's the way the cookie crumbles. (laughs) I like moist cookies because they don't crumble. See how I fix things in my life? I like keeping things simple. Dry cookies are like the Sahara. Who wants to eat a cookie that's going to crumble like the Sahara? Houston, we have a problem. Okay, insurance. Here's my principle on this one. Only insure what you can't afford to lose. So my laptop. I've got a pretty good laptop. Um, I might insure that, right? A diamond ring I might insure. A car I might insure. But how about that microphone that you pick up and Best Buy is like, do you want to buy an extended warranty? No, you don't need that because if you lose your microphone, it's probably not going to bankrupt you, right? But you ensure your health in case you lose it. I've lost my health recently. I've got a massive infection in my body. Um, So I went to the doctor with my health insurance because I don't want to die. And he goes, we got to put you on some super steroids. I'm like, so I can be like, Hulk, I want to get ripped. And he goes, no, no, no. So we can fight the infection in your body because you might be dying. So ensure what you can't afford to lose. I don't want to die. I want to live. I know you're saying that's, that's poetic. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so you only insure against true disasters. Life insurance would be a disaster. If I died when I was 20, no problem. Kit Kat would have been screwed because I didn't have a plan for where would Kit Kat go. So hopefully a neighbor would have taken her, right? But no one else. People didn't need my money. But when you have kids and a wife, 
need to get term life insurance because you might get hit by a bus. You know, I've seen two people killed um, in person. Not like I wasn't like waiting for it to happen, but I saw a guy changing his tire and he just got hit. I don't like where this is going. And then I once saw a bicyclist. Get this. I was on a date. I was going to see a movie in Washington, D.C. and it's super dark. And um, I see a bicyclist on the other side of the road and he got smashed by a car and the car kept going. So I turned the car around and uh, I stopped and I, I got out of the car and sure enough, he was dead. Bones sticking out of his body. Like it was gross. It was, it was, it was heinous. Ow. So this was pre-cell phone. <laughs> Try to explain that to your children. What did you used to do? Well, we used to have Dixie cups and we put string on it and we talked to each other before the cell phone. <laughs> No, you actually had to walk to a, a place that had a phone mounted on a wall. So I do that. I, I say, I, I stop the car. I send the girlfriend. I'm like, you go get the police because we didn't have a cell phone. No one's going to stop. It was midnight or something like that. Right. You know what the cop did when he got there? He, he acted like I was the guy who hit him. I was like, whoa. But anyway, other little uh, things to think about is don't invest in a vacuum. If you're investing for retirement, brush your teeth. Don't smoke. Don't drink too heavily. You're allowed to drink, but don't drink too heavily. And exercise. You want to invest for the rest of your life. You don't want to die at 60 after and having millions of dollars. You want 60 to 80 to be fun. So you want to be healthy to have that money and to enjoy that money and to not go to work that day. I'm Rob Black. When in doubt, your best course of action is to do nothing. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, one thing that I want to talk about is Susie Orman. I know you're saying, oh boy. And I also want to tie it to Ka. Do you remember Ka? pronounced car it's the snake's name in the jungle book he's a python and you're like where's he going with this one guy named rudyard kipling wrote a book called the jungle book you might have heard of it later on it becomes a movie the dude was born in india he wrote the jungle book in 1894 so think about that for just a second 1894 and it becomes a disney movie and eventually it becomes another disney movie and then they reanimate it or they don't animate it and like he also did gunga den can you imagine? He wrote The Man Who Would Be King. All Rudyard Kipling. Yes, man, There's Ka. Leave me alone. That's just what I should do, but I'm... I don't want to get too far into it, because you're saying... Wait, wait, didn't you say something about Susie Orman? Oh, no, you have to call her Suze Orman. <laughs> what a hot airbag. I think she's like the devil. I wrote a book once, sold it to the publisher... I had all these great chapters. If anyone wants a copy of it, drop me an email, and I'll see if I can still find uh, a PDF of it for you. It was a great book. It was called Susie Orman is Like the Devil and 100 Other Things You Need to Know. Oh, my God, no way. It was actually called Susie Orman is the Devil and 100 Things You Also Need to Know. But then the publisher's like, you're going to get sued if you say that because you can't prove that she's the devil. So I had to actually change the title of the book to Susie Orman is Like the Devil. I can't say Susie Orman is the devil. Why Washington do you think she's worse? Why do I think she's the devil? Because she acts like she's an expert. At one point in time, about five years ago, she had less than 1% of her money in stocks. And she's talking about investing in stocks or don't invest in stocks or invest in stocks. What Susie Orman is, is a product salesperson. She's not a financial expert in any way, shape or form. She never became a CFP. She is not a CFA. She didn't go to business school. 
She's a woman who wears pants as a jacket. I know you're saying, hold on, say that one more time. She's one of the worst dressed people I've ever seen. She's trying to look hip. She's trying to look cool. So what does she do? She, she gets some leather pants. She re remodifies it and she puts it on as a jacket. And then she has that awful hair and that fake, fake tan. She's kind of like the female Donald Trump as far as looking orange and then fake white teeth, um, which I call chiclets. They look like big old white chiclets in her mouth. So Susie Orman, no, 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 I'm being honest. I'm being honest as best I can. Susie Orman's not the devil, but she sells products like the devil. Remember, um, uh, you know, deals with the devil, Puritans. You know, you'd go out in the woods because the woods are where the devil hangs out in the middle of the night because that's when evil and darkness can get to you. <laughs> She's like the devil. She's not the devil because I can't prove it. She uses television and radio to sell her 20 plus products that range from books to uh, pieces of paper that tell you how to get out of debt. I know you're saying she teaches people how to get out of debt. That's a good thing, Rob. I'm like, no. Google how to get out of debt. Save yourself some do re me. Don't give it to her. It, it, it's simple stuff. How to fix your credit. She sells a book on that. You know how to fix your credit? Pay your bills on time. Or how to build your credit? Go get a secured credit card and use it. And you could you could easily Google or there's a there's an app called Credit Karma that tells you how to improve your credit score. It tells you where you went wrong in your credit score. <laughs> I would be the best person ever on The Price is Right. I've been dreaming about going on that show my whole life. of just being a contestant. like, And I would actually rip my shirt off and, and run on down. Come on down! Um, also, what was it? The um, Family Feud. My sister had a fantasy as a kid of getting our family on Family Feud. I was like, that's a bad idea. This could go all wrong. My dad called me a dummy. Don't be a dummy. Why did you give that answer? You know the, rice, the Price is Right game that scared me the most? I know you're saying, where, where are you going with this? That little yodeling guy who'd go up the mountain? And if he went too far, he'd fall off? That upset me as a kid. So Susie Orman is like the devil. She sells product, but she tells you she's an expert. She sells a lot of bad product is the problem that I have. I wouldn't mind if she was selling good product. But a lot of what she does is ego. I don't have a lot of ego. My dad destroyed that in me. I have a sad, sad story. My dad was a bad alcoholic. He was just numb. He, he didn't hit us, but he was numb. So he didn't engage with us. So and all a kid wants is his dad's love, right? So I have no ego. I don't think highly of myself. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm a hard worker. I'm not smarter than you. I'll outwork you. How's that for a bad ego, right? I'll say I'm not smarter than you. I'll outwork you. You know how I got great at soccer? I outworked people. I used other people to get make me better. So my defenders I talked to pregame. Coach would be like, hey, I want to talk to the team. I'm like, hey, I want to talk to my defenders. As a keeper, I had to have them do what I needed them to do. And I'd tell them what kids to take down. Not hurt, but like, that's the one you have to stick on. I'm like, the other kid, he can't kick. I can, I can stop his, his, his blast. But there was a little kid named Billy who was beautiful. And Billy had golden hair at age eight, nine. And the boy could run and he could move. And all he had to do was tap the ball and it would get by me. So there was a kid on my team. I think his name was Otai. He was Turkish. Now, Otai is a little Turkish kid who, 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 who was Nick. He was, uh, he was Greek. Otai was a Turkish kid who, who chased me. I was like 10 years old and he was like five. And I was afraid of this kid. I'd walk by his, his building 
and the kid would chase me. <laughs> For some reason, he scared me. So, Otai. If I could ever go back to Turkey and find that kid, Otai, I'd slap him around. Except for he's a grown man now, and he'd probably slap me around. But Susie Orman's like the devil. She sells a lot of product. She's ego-driven. you got to be ego-driven if you're going to fake-bake that bad. And I, for the record, I work in TV, and I've seen her in TV studios, and she's a horrible, horrible person to producers. She's mean, and she's nasty. And actually, I, I think I once saw her eat a, a, a gerbil. She disconnected her jaw and put a whole gerbil in her mouth. And, okay, that that I'm making up. That's not true. That is not appropriate behavior. That's fiction. But the point here is that she's on television, and you're like, ooh, she must be good. No, no. She's just there. A lot of producers are 22, 23 years old, and they need people there every day. And she's willing to go. Um, so be cautious on who you think is like an expert. She's like the devil. She sells a lot of product. She's very wealthy because she sells a lot of product. She's not very wealthy because she's a good investor. I'm really wealthy because I'm a good investor. Now, again, I have no ego, so I have to like almost back that. You know, back that. I'm a good investor. I've done it for a long time. I've worked really hard. So it's like the Jungle Book, and this goes all back to Rudyard Kipling, right? He wrote that, that story in the 1890s. That's crazy to me. That's the one that stood the test of time. That tells you he's a great writer, right? But the snake in it was named Carr. It was actually KAA. And the snake would come around and say, trust me. And that's what's on TV and radio at times. You you kind of like, you don't realize that they're really salespeople. They're snake salespeople. Snake, snake oil salespeople kind of. You, you see where I'm going out with that? <laughs> it's a man cub. A delicious man cub. It was impressive that the guy who directed Iron Man went on to direct the Jungle Book as uh like he could have directed a hundred Iron Men. We love Iron Man, right? And we love superheroes. He's like, nah, I'm gonna do a, a remake of a movie that was a classic Disney movie. Um and it, what a movie that was, right? Okay. One mistake that I, I, I really also want to be cautious on is that a lot of people want to find someone who has a computer software that can pick stocks. Be very, very cautious with this. If there was computer software that could pick stocks, do you think I'd be doing this radio show right now? No. I'd be at home sitting with, uh, who would I be sitting with? I used to be able to say things like Christy Brinkley, but that's not relevant anymore. Who would I be sitting with? Exciting Hmm. Somebody named Gigi, I think. Yes, it would be Gigi. I'd be, Gigi, give me a bonbon. I want to make a million dollars. And she goes, show me how you make a million dollars. Turn on the computer and, and hit buy. Okay, baby. If there was a computer that would do that, I would sit around all day long with Gigi and just impress her by hitting a couple keystrokes. Do you think there's a computer program that does that? Nope. You know the commercials that you hear? We're going to teach you how to be traders. Do you know where the good traders are? They're in Chicago. They're not on TV or radio. They're not doing commercials. They're not trying to teach you, the average person. Do you think I would teach you? If I could hit 150 mile per hour fastball, do you think I'd teach you how to do that? No, I'd be doing it. I wouldn't share with you the secrets on how to hit a fastball 150 miles. So be very, 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 very cautious on people that want to train you or teach you. Keep in mind that I don't want to train you and teach you. <laughs> Trust me. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Be careful on market timers. It's the opposite of diversification. 
And keep in mind that that's a bad thing. So when you're basically saying, I'm, I know I'm right, that's when you get into trouble in life. I'm Rob Black, talk, and that's why you get in so much trouble when you're in your 20s because you're arrogant and filled with hormones and you, you always think you're right. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. 200 years ago, I would have said, send me a telegram. And you would have gone to the telegram guy and you would have got dot d d d dot dot d d d dot 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 d but now you can send me an email rob at robblackshow.com you don't have to send a telegram you don't have to send the pony express oh rob at robblackshow.com um let's move forward i like lists everyone like lists so i want to talk a little about one of my favorite lists i get a lot of questions about how do i buy stocks what stock should i buy today and you know what honestly i want you to learn is a lot of times that stock that you want to buy today is the same exact stock that you want to know why you're selling it. Does that make any sense? Before you buy, you got to know when you want to sell. What's your time frame? I like recommending stocks that you might hold your whole life because you know how I, I, I tend not to look that bad. Even if I say things like buy Disney at $120 a share and it goes down to 80, I'll go, you're mad at me. You're mad at me, aren't you? I can see that you're mad at me. I go, but I'll say, I did say buy it for your whole life. See the time frame, how that saves me a little bit? I'm not going to take this anymore! Now, if you were to say, what do you think I think about uh, a hot new IPO? I'd say have a goal. If you wanted to go up 20%, that's your goal. Write stuff down. If you can't write it down, shame on you. Um, you know, writing it down makes it true. When you carve your initials of love into the tree for someone, it makes it true. If it's just in your head, no one knows about it. So if you can't write down your investment process, you can't do it. Here are eight reasons when you should sell, or is it? A lot of people won't sell. We don't need a, we don't need the top 10 list yet. We'll, we'll think so. Um, you just can't sell that winner. Um, I've seen people double their money, triple their money. It keeps rising, and you can cash in on it, and some people just won't do it. So you kind of turn a trade into a long-term investment, or you kind of change the rules. There's nothing wrong with that, but write them down again. So I know the best example of that, of not selling your winners, is stock options. A lot of people get paid with options, not paid. A lot of people get supplemental pay from their company with stock options. And when the good times are going, people don't sell it. But when the bad times hit, they don't know what to do. Number two, big mistake that people make when it comes to selling is they just can't get rid of that loser. They bought a stock, it went down, and it's a loser. Or maybe you fell in love, it was passionate, and then the guy turned into a loser deadbeat. Sometimes it's over when it's over, right? And you should move on. In psychology, it's called the endowment effect. Once we invest in something, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a football team, whether it be a stock, we endow it with more value than it ever really had. So stock becomes more prized and valued if we've put our money into it. You know, if a company like XYZ.com goes down, I don't care, but if I own it, I'll be like, I do care. I once liked you and I want to like you again. So you can sometimes can't get rid of that loser. And think about it in relationships. Think about it like, I got to a point where I just gave up on sports. I know you're saying, really? <clears throat> Um, I'm not going to be passionate about them like I used to. I'm not going to you know, throw money at them like I used to. I'm not going to go on a Friday night in this playoffs. Hey, hey buddy, you want to go watch the game? Let's, let's, go, let's go get your tickets right now. 
planet if I want to see it. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, none of my teams, I'm not going to say none of my teams, um, but a lot of times the payoff for being a fan isn't great, especially if your team loses, and you just don't want to get rid of it. I get it. Another mistake that people make is they have no idea what the numbers are. So if you buy a stock at 10, what's that mean? What's the market cap of it? Do you want to sell it at 13? That's a 30% return. Do you want to sell it at 20? Do you want to sell half of it at 20 and then let the rest ride? I've seen people do that strategy. It's not very complicated. Another mistake people make is they won't adjust their plans. And let's say you bought a stock that doubles or triples and it becomes too much of your portfolio and you never wanted it to be too much, but you're like, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. You want moderation, moderation. You want diversity for diversity's sake on some level. I'm not going to tell you everything you want to do, but if you bought a small company and it becomes a large company, is it still the same company? They're able to go from 10 million in revenues, 20 million in revenues, 20 to hundred. It's tougher to go hundred to 200, 200 to 400. Big numbers start catching up with you. So sometimes you have to adjust your plans. And say, okay, I, I wanted 20% exposure to small caps, 20% to mid caps, 20% to large cap, 20% to international, 20% to income. Sometimes you have to adjust those numbers when things get out of whack. Um, another mistake people make when selling stocks is, or the whole stock selling process is you lose confidence in your convictions. Um, a bad market does not mean you made a bad investment. A good investment sometimes can happen in a good market. And you're like, woohoo, it's going great. But in a bad market, you're like, hmm, I think I might have made a mistake. And maybe you didn't. Maybe you just have to wait for interest rates to stabilize or trade wars to normalize. Or maybe you just got to get through the process. Maybe there's a general negative mood. And sometimes you have to let that play out. Biggest mistake I see people buying and selling stocks is trying to time the market. I've never met a market timer worth a million dollars, ever. And you'll hear commercials on radio and television that say things along the lines of, um, is now the time to buy gold? Th- things are drastic out there. The market could go lower, much lower. We have one study from a man at a bar in New Jersey who said the market could go 99% lower. It's never gone down 99%. And it's gone through the World War One and World War Two and nuclear strikes. And it's gone through... Uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima and recessions and depressions, high oil, low oil. It's gone through crazy stuff. Khrushchev saying he's going to bury us. He pulls out a shoe and slams it down on a, on a like it's ex- the Cuban Missile Crisis. We got through it. So tr- don't try to time the market. And the people that are trying to sell you timing the market, look at what their bias is. They have something they want to put in front of you because you got something they want. Cash. Try to cut out the mistakes on selling. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.